here with Don Goldman. He's the Chief Scientific Officer and Emeritus and Senior Fellow at IHI. Don, you spoke about the risk in improvement science of misinterpreting causation as correlation. Tell us about that. Yes, so uh, sometimes we see associations or correlations, as you say, which look really, really compelling, but sometimes they're specious uh, or flat out wrong. I gave an example, the talk of crime in the city and ice cream sales, where clearly summer uh, is distorting that association and ice cream does not cause uh, gun violence. Uh, so uh, it, it, very often what we see in an association is actually powerful evidence and we feel comfortable acting on it. But we should always ask ourselves whether there's something that's distorting that relationship and, and it, that it actually might be wrong. And if it's wrong, it's not trivial because we're very enthusiastic and we tend to want to spread what we've learned. And if you spread something that isn't correct, you're first of all wasting the energy and will uh, of the improvers and the staff and potentially uh, either not benefiting or even harming patients. So I feel pretty strongly that you should take a critical lens to your own work and say just how good is the evidence behind this. Evidence doesn't have to be perfect. Much, much of the world uh, runs on uh, evidence that's far from perfect, but we still have enough belief in it that we feel we can act and take whatever risks uh, might be incurred. How reliable is the improvement science evidence? I guess the classic answer is it depends, doesn't it? <laughs> so uh, let, let me put this, what may sound a bit harsh, uh, it's so wasteful of human energy and will to design and carry out some project or intervention when you can't learn anything from it. In fact, I go so far as to say it borders on being unethical. Uh, why would you put people through the work and the, the efforts of doing something that isn't designed well enough to provide any evidence or learning? And it's okay if it fails, right? At least you learn that that won't work. So that said, there are uh, studies that are actually quite credible and build evidence. Uh, I, I talked about two uh, imperfect but very important studies on surgical checklist by Atul Gawande and others and the uh, so-called Keystone Central Line Associated Infection Study by Peter Pronovost in Michigan and neither of them met all of the criteria if, if you looked at the slides on my talk that I had enunciated but they were certainly good enough to prompt additional uh, efforts to demonstrate that they work and to replicate them elsewhere uh, and we've learned a lot about what does uh, work in replicating them and what isn't such a good way to replicate them. You spoke quite a bit about trial methodology in your talk. You were talking about cluster RCTs and stepwise RCTs. How do you see methodology developing over the next decade so that we can more reliably measure and evaluate these interventions? Yeah. So one of the things I mentioned was the need for improvement scientists to be really aware of data analytics and even artificial intelligence, or at least the part of artificial intelligence around machine learning. Uh, because I think we're going to get more agile as we have more and more data in our ecosystem in figuring out what's working and what's not. In improvement, we're still using very classical means uh, to demonstrate improvement with our statistical process control charts and, and all that. That's great, but there are more sophisticated and rapid uh, ways of looking at this. So I think we're going to evolve very quickly now into a state where we can test at some scale 
uh, interventions and see, uh, let me use a funny word, but see if they perturb the status quo uh, in, in the big data uh, that we're using. Uh, so I think that's where we're going to be moving. I also see uh, the real growth of uh, these adaptive trials that I mentioned. So rather than coming in with a fixed protocol, be it in a step wedge or in a randomized trial, adapt the protocol. Uh, as you go. So I didn't have time to talk about it in the step wedge, but you should be learning at each step as you introduce it in the ward one, then wards one and two, then wards one, two, and three, learning about what worked in implementation and applying that to step four, five, and six. The, The only problem with that, which is it's true QI, analytically it's tough. Statisticians get all upset because you've made all these changes and they say the statistical power is not as good Um, but I'll live with that because I'm actually learning you were talking a lot about critical appraisal in your talk as well and giving examples of the sorts of questions that people should be asking of research in order to assess its reliability and applicability Um, how well does this community understand that do you think how good are they at appraising the evidence so uh, one of the things I was worried about in my talk was that I was kind of slamming my friends you know by essentially saying we're not using these techniques you know one tries to be self-effacing and recognize that one is not so great uh, anyway but uh, it's really difficult to be totally transparent around the lack of these techniques and methods and standards in a lot of quality improvement Uh, for example I think the simplest thing that can be done is to use a bias checklist what are the sources of bias in my work I don't care actually if you're able to totally ameliorate them or mitigate them or deal with them because you don't have the resources at the time or the whatever but at least you ought to state what they are so that everybody reads it says oh well those are the biases even given that I think I am going to act on this it looks good enough for me it doesn't have to be perfect good enough is good enough and what excites you most about this community, about this movement going forward? The quality improvement movement. So, you know, as an academic and as a uh, health services researcher, I, I live on a kind of teeter-totter board, right? Uh, if, if I get all on the evidence and rigor side, I'm basically sitting on the ground and <laughs> not, not having much fun on the teeter-totter board. If I uh, get the energy and embrace the commitment and enthusiasm of the softer side, if I use that term, of quality improvement, that allows the balance to establish itself and I'm actually doing some movement, uh, which is good. So uh, on days when I'm saying, oh my God, that study really wasn't very good, how could they get up there and say that? I say, but I wouldn't be here even in this without this community of energy and commitment uh, that galvanizes change. Um, so I, I guess that's what I, I think about it. It's a wonderful community. I, I, I think it does need to be challenged sometimes around the claims uh, that are made. Uh, that's basically my job. I'm chief scientific officer emeritus. Uh, but I, I can't deny the uh, unbelievable uh, energy in the community. It's wonderful. Uh,